Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. What's good, y'all? It's your girl, Amanda Seals, the headmaster Blacksburg in charge, your HMBIC here at Smart, Funny, and Black Entertainment. And I've got some exciting news. We are now taking our talents to Patreon. Yes, we're keeping it smart, funny, and very black, but we'll be bringing you more of what you love and new shows and exclusive never-before-seen content. Now, there is tuition this time around, but we've got something for everybody that wants to come to Smart, Funny, and Black University over on Patreon. This means that you'll have access to commercial-free Small Doses episodes, views from Amanda Land, Get Your Life Seasons 1 and 2, extra questions from Views from Amanda Land, our throwback series from The Vault with never-before-seen footage and interviews from me, yours truly, exclusive archival video, on-demand classic moments from Smart, Funny, and Black Live, and more for just $5 a month. Only $5 a month? That's right. $5 a month. So get ready to enroll now at patreon.com backslash smart, funny, and black and embark on this journey with us by any joke necessary. I'm your HMBIC, Amanda Seals, and remember to keep it smart, funny, and This episode deals with topics of pregnancy loss. So this is a trigger warning for anybody who may feel uncomfortable or may feel triggered by those topics to please stop listening at this point. It's so funky. <laughs> All right. So apparently it is Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month. I did not know that this month existed. Coincidentally, it is also the uh, one-year anniversary of my own pregnancy. And I have learned that my transparency is a part of my philanthropy. So I felt like it was time to share my own story. And I'm not going to tell you every detail and everything about the story because it's, it's my story. Uh, but I do feel like It's worth telling and sharing because when we do share, it's healing and it's also freeing. So in October of 2020, after having been back with my college boyfriend for all of mm, six weeks, (laughs) I found out I was pregnant. And I found out because he was like, I feel like you should have got your period by now. And I was like, I mean, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I just, I went to Walgreens and I was like getting something else from Walgreens. And it just was like, oh, let me just pick up this pregnancy test to prove this nigga wrong. Okay. And I got home and I took the test and your girl was pregnant. And I'm not, I, I panicked because... The first thing that came to my mind was like, oh, my God, what is this going to do to my body? Can my body like physically like handle the changes that it's going to be put through? And I called my homegirl and she was like, excited. 
And I, that was not my first reaction. My first reaction was definitely panic. And I called Devon and he was at work. So he had to like step out and he was hype. And I'm like hyperventilating. And then my other homegirl, I called her while Devon was on his way home. And she was like, I mean, you're like stable financially, emotionally, <laughs> mentally, physically. Like, what are you worried about? And I'm not sure what. I mean, I just, it was just, I wasn't expecting that and I was not trying to get pregnant. So it was a very overwhelming feeling in that moment. And I took another test and then I took another test when Devon got home. And yeah, all three of them hoes was like, you pregnant, you pregnant, you pregnant. And I've never been pregnant before. I've never been pregnant before. Um, I don't know how that's possible because I have absolutely been reckless. And when I tell the joke in my special about folks getting periods that they don't deserve, I am referring to myself, okay? Because I have definitely, like, throughout my my youth was definitely not as careful as I should have been. So many of us have that tale to tell. Anywho, And so then, you know, once you find that out, there's like such a series of things that have to happen, right? So I call my childhood friend who is also a gynecologist and she was like, okay, the first thing that needs to happen is you need to go get your blood taken because we need to see, because I didn't have a primary gynecologist at the time. So she, you know, has stepped in and I've actually went to her before and I know people are like, what? You went to your homegirl to be a gynecologist? And it's like, it's actually not that crazy. I mean, she's a physician. (laughs) So anywho, she was like, yo, go get your blood works. You know, you go get the blood work. And then basically like what happens is like, you know, you, you start trying to find out, is this a quote unquote real pregnancy? And the hormones are supposed to grow exponentially over the course of the next weeks and they're supposed to continue growing. And that is the signifier that, you know, your pregnancy is quote unquote, like sticking. And so that was happening. Um, they were growing and, you know, you immediately switch into the mindset of like, okay, now I've got this being in me that I have to protect and I have to consider. And that was very overwhelming for me as well too. Also because I think because I'm a perfectionist and it's like everything feels like it could be a danger. You know, you eat papaya and then you fucking like, oh shit, can papaya kill the baby? And so it's like everything you do, you're like, oh my gosh, like Jordy jumped on me. Did that harm the baby? Uh, Shit. uh, Okay. okay. Oh shit. I drank that tea. Was that tea? Ah." And by the way, when you Google, it feels like literally everything you eat can make you hemorrhage or cause contractions. And so it's a very, it can can be very, you know, I don't know for anybody else's experience. And that's the other thing too, I want to talk about is that I'm only speaking of my own personal experience and, you know, I share in this month. So I hated being pregnant. And I know that that may be like the wrong thing to say, but I really, I didn't like it y'all. I didn't like it. Like I, 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 I was so just, I wasn't relaxed. Like I was so just like concerned all the time. And I was like, how am I going to make it nine months with this level? 
of concern. <laughs> and I don't know if maybe it like trails off and you're just a little more calm and relaxing it. And I don't know, because I have friends who, you know, they did this shit with flying colors, but I was like, this is a lot. And then your body, well, my body just felt like, it felt like there was a fucking Star Wars battle happening inside my body all the time. It just felt like little neurons were firing and pew, 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 pew. And my hormones, I mean, I don't know that my hormones were raging. I wasn't having like big, giant emotional explosions, but I was definitely on edge for a multitude of reasons. And in addition to the fact that like I have all these hormones and then like, you know, Devon and I weren't living together at the time. And so you're having all these thoughts and I remember <laughs> like I would wake up in the middle of the night and my legs would just feel like and I'm like Devon stretch me stretch me stretch my legs I didn't like feeling like my body was like in another control space than in my own center and I know that some women that they they yearn and they they crave that feeling. And I just, I, I didn't like that feeling, but it didn't change the fact that I was like, okay, you're preparing to be a mother. And I had not considered that in a real way. I've always been the person who's like, yeah, you know, if I get pregnant, I get pregnant or whatever. Like, it just never felt very real to me. I remember calling my mom and my aunt and telling them, and my mom in typical Annette Seals fashion was like, well, you know, I mean, it's time. I mean, what else is there? You know, you did a special, you did a comedy special, and so well, this is next. <laughs> and they were like, I mean, and it's also, you know, it's kind of time for a new face. I mean, you've been good and it's been nice with you, you know, but it's time for a fresh face. <laughs> like, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks a lot. So everybody was, you know, on board. And I know that people are like, you know, you're not supposed to tell anybody until your third trimester or, you know, until you're at past a certain point. I told everybody like immediately because I had never even been in this position. So even to be considered pregnant was a different headspace, you know? So the idea of actually having the baby was like a whole, like that was something I was going to have to get to down the line. My due date was Charlemagne's birthday. <laughs> and, you know, there were folks who like revealed like, oh my God, I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited. I've always wanted you to be a mother. You're going to be such a great mother. Oh my God. And so then that, you know, that does create a certain level of like, oh, now I'm not just pregnant for me. Like I'm pregnant for everybody. And, uh, but it was a, it was a very like celebratory time and the people around me were just so supportive and so excited, like genuinely excited. And then you had the friends who also just completely understood my trepidation <laughs> and met me there. And that was its own, uh, just thankful, beautiful experience and exchange, you know, just getting to be able to, to talk to my friends and have them be a support and understand. Right. And I, I mean, I just started considering like what that would mean. And at this time also, I was so disillusioned with this business of entertainment. I had become so disenchanted 2019, I've talked about this in, in many interviews, but 2019, 2020 had really kind of like knocked me out. And um, 2019, you know, just there was just like a series of events of just meanness that my little empath heart just just eventually just kind of broke. 
And because I knew the source of the breaking and I knew that it was solely related to this fucking business, it was like, well, then maybe I need to get out of this business because fuck this. Like, this shit ain't going to fucking break me and I'm not going to be in here for this people motherfuckers to break me. And that's how I really felt. And I remember I turned to the bond and I was just like, I, I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to do this no more. I think I, I really just want to be a parent and be dedicated to this child and and do that. And he was like, you know, are you sure that, you know, you've worked for so much at this point? It's kind of like you're at the tipping point. Are you sure you don't think you're like quitting right before you get to the summit? And I was like, no. And if I really am at the summit, then I'll be able to get back here because I've been here before. And so, you know, the pregnancy had also just kind of became this real life way to transition out of this place that had become no longer a safe space and that was hurtful and harmful. And I started to get the hang of things, you know, and I started to just be more mindful of understanding that I got to, you know, focus on what I'm eating and be careful, much more careful. And my mom was just so just confident. She's like, I had a very uneventful pregnancy and so will you. And (laughs) And then I went to the doctor because you don't get to go to the doctor right away. They wait until I want to say like a minimum of six weeks to see if it's like a real thing. And we went to the doctor and we got the ultrasounds and we saw the baby and we heard the heartbeat. And as I say it, It's just trippy to consider that I was like growing something, which is why like when we talk about abortion, the flippancy with which so many people think that women make the decision is so disgusting and short-sighted and myopic because the concept of a life being in you is oftentimes larger than life. And so it is no easy feat for many of us to make a decision, right? So, you know, I was just like, wow, like, huh, (laughs) like science. And that made it like very, very real. When you hear the heartbeat, you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, wow. That's when you start like going down the path of considering, Because I don't think until then I really fully, 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 fully believed it. It was like, okay, and like theoretically, you know, according to this blood test and shit, you know, according to these pee sticks and shit, you know. But like, ain't nobody saying the shit. So I don't really know if it's really something in there doing nothing. You know, this just may be some indigestion. (laughs) And so from that, I just was like, you know, wow, I bought a little toy like a little koala rattle toy. And it was just like, okay, this is, this is me committing to the, the reality that I'm a pending parent. And it became where now you have conversations that are always considering, okay, well, you know, but this is coming. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm in this condition. Okay. Oh, well by then I'll be this many weeks along, you know? And you commit. And the reason I'm talking so much about that is because 
once your brain flips to a new space of commitment and inclusion of like a new shift in your life and everything goes with it, it is very meaningful that that takes place. Like that's, you know, you're because you're physically, mentally and emotionally doing a grand shift once more into the breach. And that shift is heavy. It's weighted. I remember I was at my vocal doctor and he also treats Cree Summer. And you know me and Cree, we we love each other. And so she was in the office at the same time. And I was like, oh, bring her in. And then I told the news. And I mean, Cree just, <laughs> Cree just immediately started crying. She said, my baby's having a baby. And I was like, oh my God, Claire Huxtable. And, and I think that's the other thing too. It's like, you know, the joy that people have for you is so palpable. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I get to have this for myself now too. And you carry that. And all of this, you know, is in you and it, it moves you. And, you know, me and Devon are like, talking about, you know, just plans and trying to figure out what the plan is and and how this is going to manifest and all of these things. And, you know, it's, it's for anyone who has been pregnant, I'm assuming this is not, a, I'm not a unique case, but you're just like, oh my gosh, like total eclipse of the heart. And so that was going, and that's how things were going. And my titties were getting bigger. And then on a Wednesday, I went to the bathroom, and I was bleeding. And I started to panic and hyperventilate. And Devon was at work. And so... I had to drive myself to the ER. And, you know, when I do this in a movie one day, I want to find a way to write it funny because I really believe what Norton Efron says, just write it funny. At the time, I was in it, so I couldn't see it. But thinking about it, I'm like, you driving to this hospital, just, I was in like full hysterics, y'all. And I'm like whipping this Jeep, whipping, whipping, whipping this Jeep. And I call my best friend from college, M, and M is on speakerphone with me. And like just is literally just like on speaker, like just whether I'm talking or not talking, just on speaker. And I've never been to the hospital in that way, you know, I've never like had an emergency that I had to get myself to the hospital. And so it was, it was just a maniac time. I mean, it was just like, you know, and the whole time you're just like every second is another possibility that this is over, like that this is done. So I get to the hospital and I must say, everybody at this hospital was so fucking nice. Sometimes God is just like, you know what? Let me just do this for you. <laughs> everybody was so damn nice. And I am just forever grateful for that. 
Because I don't know that I, I don't, I mean, I was just, I was hysterical. <laughs> I just remember I was just hyperventilating and I was talking like this and I was just trying to get the answers out and I was just trying to get across them, you know, that, that I was very afraid that I didn't know what was happening. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, they see this shit every day, all day. So, but I appreciated aside from, there was one black woman who I must say was, was stank. Um, but, uh, and I, I have to point out that she was a sister because she was the only black woman I was dealing with. And she was very much like, Oh my God. Like she was very much like I was being overdramatic and, but everybody else, everybody else, everybody else was very much like, we're going to, you know, we're going to take care of you. And so Devon got there from work, but you know, because of COVID, like, you know, people can't be in the waiting room. People can't go in the back with you. So he just had to go back outside and sit in the car and they took me back and gave me blood work. And I'm, I'm calming down because I've talked to my mom now and I've talked to Emily now and I've seen Devon now and there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on in addition to this physical situation I was in. There was a lot going on, but at the, but it was like, we have to focus on this. And then they took me to get an ultrasound. Now, if you don't know, so when they do the vaginal ultrasound, they stick this wand up your J, And they basically just like look around. And I remember it was this, the, the, the radiologist, is it a radiologist? I feel like radiologist is not the right term and that's why I'm stuck, but we're going to go with it was a Ukrainian man. And I remember we were speaking about Ukraine and Russian and how I know a little bit of Russian cause I was a gymnast and there was a, a, a woman who came, a nurse who came in there as well, you know, because it's a man. So she came in to hold my hand and this ultrasound went on for a very long time because they could not find the heartbeat. And it was just so long with this fucking wand up my pussy, just fishing around, like trying to get a quarter out of drain. And I was just like, oh my God, like this is, you're like, you're trying to keep spirits because I'm that person who like when I'm in a medical situation, whether it's mine or someone else's, like I'm going to always try and keep levity and keep the jokes because, because ultimately like we all know this is serious. So like, we don't need to add more serious. Like everybody here knows this is serious. So there's no need to add more serious. Like we need to try to relieve each other of the stress of the scenario because it's not lost on anybody that this is serious. At least it's not lost on me when I'm in those situations. And so I'm just trying to keep up the levity and, you know, the comic in me is just like thinking of the jokes, but like trying to ignore like what's happening and, and how they're like not finding anything, you know, and you're just trying to like ignore that and just keep it chipper and, and keep a stiff upper lip and keep just being hopeful. Because even though I didn't know what, you know, I wasn't fully, I wasn't fully arrived at like how I'm going to be a parent or what I'm going to be a parent. I had committed myself to that journey. And anybody who knows people like me, they know that once we commit ourselves to something, we are fully engaged. We're all in. And a disruption of that is very disconcerting. And I must also say that the orderly was so cool. And it was this Mexican dude and he was commenting on my 
Adidas tracksuit because y'all know I came there in a tracksuit and how I don't have a deal with Adidas by now is beyond my scope of comprehension other than the fact that when they did some weird shit I called them out and you know you can't call people out because then people want to say oh you're why are you personally attacking me and it's like well how can I be personally attacking you if I'm speaking specifically about our professional relationship but nonetheless I digress so the orderly was like complimenting me and then he like popped a wheelie you know and like you feel like you're in one of those movies where the kid has cancer and they're they're popping wheelies in the hospital but we all know what's really going on like it's like one of those moments and um, he was like yo and he was like the quintessential like yo Holmes like yo like this yo your suit is my flavors yo and I was like oh man thank you bro thank you so they took me back to a waiting room and not to a waiting room but to a, a room to get put me on the bed and the nurse was talking to me and then she she was speaking to the the man across the way from me and she was explaining to him his medications and what's going on and I'm just like, I love medicine. Uh, I trained at the Gray's Anatomy School of Medicine and I did my uh, medical school at uh, the ER, Jewish Clooney School of Medicine. Um, but no, like my mom and many members of my family are in medicine. So it's, it's just a, it's, it's something of great interest to me. And if I didn't take this course in life, I think I would have attempted to be one of the very few female cardiothoracic surgeons out here. Nonetheless, so... The dude like started being rude to the nurse. And I have a very soft spot for nurses. My mother was a nurse. My late friend Kristen Sanborn was a nurse. So many of my family members are nurses. And I just know that nurses get a fucking bad rap and are very oftentimes just disregarded. And he was being rude to her. And literally like from my bed, I was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and I was like, don't speak to her like that. That's not, mm-mm, don't do that. And so the nurse from that point on was like, I fuck with you. <laughs> I fuck with you. She got me some water. <laughs> so then the doctor came in and she was like, you know, oftentimes what's happening at this point is there can be a scenario where the blood of the fetus and your blood are clashing. And so we need to give you a particular kind of shot. And that shot will prevent that from happening and will hopefully stop whatever is causing this bleeding because I wasn't like gushing. It was just like spotting. And that's why I gave you all the trigger warning at the beginning, because I don't feel like you can really talk about these things without, you know, kind of being honest, because where do you learn? Because if you all are ever in this situation, you find out that like, if it's red, then it's like, it's a wrap. But if it's spotting, it's like, mm, could be, could be cool. Not sure. And so there's still a little bit of hope there. And even though they couldn't find the the heartbeat, they were like, well, you know, you're still like nine to 10 weeks. So it sometimes can be a little in and out there. So I'm like, all right. So I'm waiting for the shot. And then Devon and I had a phone call. And the result of that phone call made me be like, you know what? I'm just going to leave. Like, I don't, it's fine. And I left the hospital with the intention of going to get the shot from my actual doctor the next day. And then my actual doctor would not see me. They were like, you know, we need to wait a few days to see if this is a real miscarriage or if this is just a fluke. And I got to tell y'all, like, I don't know. I get, I mean, maybe that's not, maybe that's protocol, but I just felt like, 
she should have seen me just off of the strength of like the fucking trauma and stress of that whole situation of that whole experience. And if you're not even going to fucking see me in person, like telehealth me, bitch, like get the fuck out of here. And I remember my friends who have been pregnant saying that like getting a physician that you really fuck with and, and that really gets it, it, it's it's not as like one, two as you think it is. And so I was very bothered by that. I was very, very bothered by just feeling like I was being treated just kind of like, like, like for every woman, this is so personal. It's, it is, it is the most personal thing. It's the most personal thing. And, you know, to be treated very just like a, I don't know, like it wasn't something happening to me. That just lacked bedside manner to me. That felt like it was not indicative uh, or representative of the Hippocratic Oath that all physicians take. And so I, again, called my homegirl. And so she got me in to see a different doctor. And so I went to see this other doctor. And again, we do this ultrasound. And she did the ultrasound. And she said, we've lost the baby. And it looks like you lost it two weeks ago. And... There's such a confluence of emotions that come up, that came up in that diagnosis because you're like, so I've been, I've been walking around with a dead baby in me for two weeks. And then you're, you know, and you're like, so it's like, so like, I've just been like, thinking something that isn't what it is for two weeks and you feel like dumb and you're like so like my body just like couldn't do it so then you just feel like whack like weak and then you're just like oh I guess oh so okay so this shit this thing okay so we're not doing okay so we're not doing this like it's just like y'all it's so it's like so many emotions at one time and and you're also like like you're suffering a loss but it's a weird loss because it's not like you really had it and it's like even though it was like so early in the game, like I can't imagine, I, I can't imagine like folks who make it to five months. I can't imagine folks who have a, have a preemie. And I just, I can't because even at, as such a short amount of time, I was very much like, Oh fuck. Like this is shitty. This is shitty. And and I said to the doctor, I was like, well, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to cry real quick. And she was like, do you want me to step out? And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. It'll be quick. And I really just like, she just, <laughs> she sat in the room and I just <laughs> looked out the window and I had me a little cry, y'all. I just had me a little cry looking out that window with Beverly Hills. And then I... Got myself together. I'm very good at getting myself together after, like, in a, in a cry. 
And I don't know if that's from gymnastics or just from having a Caribbean parent. <laughs> but I'm very good at like, all right, let's get it. And then she was like, well, there's a couple options. Because we live in the state of California, you have a couple options. And one of those options is to do a DNC. And a DNC is essentially an abortion. That's what it is. That's the, it's the exact same procedure. And she was like, you know, were we in another state, I would not be able to offer that to you. There's also the option of taking these, these pills that will allow you to pass the baby. And she was like, if we were in another state, I couldn't offer this to you. You would have to just wait for it to pass. You'd have to just walk around knowing that like the, that a piece of hopelessness is like in you, that you can't get out of you physically until your body decides to excise it. You know, and so when we talk about abortion rights and these things, it's, it extends to spaces and places that you may not consider. But that would have been interminable for me, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm too, I am too, I'm too in touch with like my body and like my, myself, my, my emotions to like have that and carry that and, and not feel the weight of that, like in this, in just like an incredibly real way. And so I was so lucky and so fortunate. And this doctor was so fucking dope. And um, just her just her whole bedside manner, the way she communicated with me, just everything. She was just so dope. And she, she was like, you know, we'll schedule the DNC. And um, she left the room. And I don't know why... This was my first thought, but I, I called Devon and I thanked him because this experience, it was something I needed. And, and it's, it's like, as, like, as it was happening, as the trauma was happening, there was still like something within me that knew that like... It was fruitful, like even in its fruitlessness. And as like, just as like a, as a woman, it felt like something that I, Amanda had to experience to, to get a closer relationship to my own femininity. And that's not something that everybody needs to do, but it felt like something that I somehow needed to do. Femininity may not necessarily, that's not necessarily the word I'm looking for, but my identity per se. I feel like I have, I've just been going along this life in such a droll fashion and I'm not droll that it's boring, but it's just like, I think I, I, again, I had become so disenchanted and this was the beginning of a wake up. I, and you know, and, and Devon came over and we caught, and we watched Mandalorian. And I remember my friend, Amber, <laughs> Amber was in town 
Amber and I went to SUNY Purchase together. Amber is one of the most beautiful souls, like literally in existence on the planet. Shout to DC. And Amber came over and it was like, she was just like the right human for that right time. <laughs> and she brought with her a crystal, for a stone that she gave me. And it was like a stone of discernment. And as I, as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, that's trippy. That's what she had brought because it was going through this experience that helped me to land in a new space of discernment for how I wanted to move through the world from this point forward and how I wanted to interact with my craft from that point forward. And, you know, everyone told me, be prepared for the despair. Be prepared for the despair. Because this is incredible loss. And I, I had to go through this, this dark phase where I just didn't, I just, I just wasn't really, I just, I was just kind of like embarrassed with myself. Like, damn, like, why couldn't you do it? And then you're questioning yourself, like, is it because I wasn't sure? Maybe if I had been sure, then the spirit would have felt more secure to stay. And so you start asking yourself, like, all these, like, weird-ass questions. And some of them are logical and some of them are not. You know, and, and you're in the middle of watching a Sex in the City binge and you'd been watching it. And oddly enough, you land at the episode where Charlotte has her miscarriage. And you want to talk about it, but you can't talk about it because this world is so shitty. And you're and if you're a public figure, you're like, I'm not even ready to deal with the wicked shit that I know people will say. You know, because people are so fucking mean. And so you just post <laughs> a video of when Charlotte finally like put on her Audrey Hepburn dress and went to Miranda's baby shower. And she wasn't like over it, you know, but she was understanding of like, I have to, I got to like get up and keep going because if I want to create a situation for this to possibly happen again, then I got to get the fuck out of here. And so I hadn't, I wasn't at that place yet. I was still very sad and I felt my body and my body just felt violated. Like I've had, you know, like you just had shit up your fucking pussy, like over and over again. And, and then when I, when I went and got my DNC, like the, the, the CNA who was like preparing me was like, oh, I heard you're on TV. And I wanted to punch her in her face because baby, it ain't the time. This, this ain't the time. This ain't the time. This ain't the time. And even though I was in a low and I was sad and Devon and I had been through it, we got through this together very decisively. We very decisively got through this together. I've never seen a man try. Like, that's what I realized when I witnessed the efforts. I realized I had never seen a man try. 
And I believe that I did not, I, Amanda, did not ever come face to face with the despair. I'm not saying I didn't hurt, but the, but I know despair and I did not come face to face with the despair in the way that I anticipated because I was lucky. I was lucky because I, I had not been trying. So many women try, they try, they try, they try. They want it so fucking bad. And I wasn't one of them. I know that I didn't come face to face with the dis- with the despair because I was not that far along. And I, I though I had committed to this, I, I hadn't committed to it as long as friends I know who, you know, were five months. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And they wanted it so bad. And so I was lucky. I was lucky also because I wasn't alone. And so many women go through this alone. My mom went through this alone. And I wasn't alone. And so I was lucky. That is why despair did not find a home in me. And it was, it was a few weeks before I would, you know, not just spontaneously cry at the thought. And even to this day, you know, to now, like I'll just kind of cry sometimes. And I'm not sure what I'm actually crying about because on the other side of this, y'all, I just, even though I froze the eggs, I mean, I, I, I just realized I, I don't want to have a child. I don't want to have a kids. And I want y'all to stop trying to convince women who say that, that maybe they should, or maybe they don't know what they're thinking. Or when people say like, it's different with yours. It's like, <laughs> you don't know the paths that women have trodden when they arrive at that decision. And I came out the other side of this and my perspective was so clear that no, I I needed to come back to my craft because that is where, that, that is where my proverbial babies are. I, when I create something from nothing, it is, it's not of the flesh, but it's still of the heart. And it, it's like going through this gave me like this like extra battery in my back that I could come in this business and not let them eat me up because this didn't eat me up. And that I could come back to these goals with a clear mind and a clear heart and a clear direction because I had seen the wall. I had hit the wall on the other end. So I I knew I knew now, like, okay, which way I was going to go. And, you know, like, there was just this clarity, like, oh, this is what fucking matters. These people don't fucking matter. These mean-ass people, these shady-ass people, these switch-siding-ass people, your whole crew, switch-siders. I come through, they be like, hey, Cam, dick riders. None of them. None of them matter. And you, Amanda, just have to work alongside the people who 
who love you, the people who you called <laughs> when you got this news, the people who cheered for you, you know, the people who would have showed up for you, whether you had left this game or not. And it's because of this experience that I feel like I'm able to really commit myself to, to pursuing, you know, a legacy of making work that hopefully brings us all joy before this whole earth collapses beneath our feet. Oh, maybe we'll just go down laughing. I know that's incredibly defeatist and nihilistic, but sometimes that's really how it fucking feels. But because of, you know, when you realize how transient and how fragile life is, you you hopefully get perspective on your own life. And it's because of that that I will no longer be in places where there is not mutual love and respect. I'm not going to do that dance. <laughs> there was once upon a time where it felt like you needed to, to be in spaces where there isn't mutual love and respect because it's a look and it's because it's what you're supposed to do. And it's because you don't want the internet to talk and because you don't want um, to draw ire, et cetera. And it's like, I, no, I don't want to work in spaces where there isn't mutual love and respect. I want to make joy money. And what I mean by that is I want to enjoy what I'm doing while I make it, if I'm going to be a fucking part of this trash ass capitalism that I let the very least need to be enjoying the work I'm doing and it needs to be work that other people will find joy in. The last dose. I don't know that I would have come to these understandings had I not gone through this. I don't know that I would have seen the truth of this of myself, of everything. So as we acknowledge those who identify with this International Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month, I send you my love, I send you my light, and my hope that whatever becomes of your journey to motherhood, that it lands in a peaceful place for you, one that is without want, one that is centered, and one that ultimately at the end of the day is full of love, because it really is a one-of-a-kind experience, whether you're pregnant for 10 weeks or whether you have 10 kids. And once you've experienced that, I feel like you you don't lose it. Not if you are in touch. And I'm in touch. And so that's my story. I feel honored that I'm able to share it with you all. And I thank you all for creating a safe space for me and for other women to not have to go through these things alone. Star Bands Audio, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.